Well, that was glorious. Amen. We're going to be in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, 14th chapter. You'll make your way there. It is certainly good to see you all. It's been a long time. It's been a number of years since I've been here. I was back uh, when Joe was here and then right when Joe left. Stayed with y'all quite some time preaching. And um, it's just good to see you all. Of course, I'm Dennis Dees. I've, I've been in, uh, I pastored for 24 years before I went in evangelism. My last church, I was there for 15 years. And, and I have uh, been in evangelism now for 12 years. It's been uh, quite the challenge. I tell people I live off Baptist love offerings. Sometimes there's not much love and sometimes there's not much offering. But I just keep right on. I just keep on Cadillac to the glory of God. It's been a This has been the last uh, several years has been extremely challenging, not just for, for us all, but our family in particular. My wife was diagnosed with cancer not long ago. And uh, she had 16 chemo treatments and had five major surgeries. Two of those were completely unnecessary except for the debacle of a surgeon and then uh, I was I just got back I had I was diagnosed back in January with cancer and um, it was eyelid cancer of all things supposed to have been a just a, a you know easy surgery and went in and it didn't turn out too easy it was about 10 hours of surgery five hours of it I was awake and five hours I was asleep and they sewed my eye shut for about uh, close to a month. And uh, so all this is plastic surgery. Don't I look good, man, I tell you? <laughs> I am not opposed to plastic surgery. I just want you to know that. But I am grateful to God for his healing touch and uh, for restoring my wife. She's a, you know, a preschool director. And boy, she's got her hands full with COVID. That's been uh, quite the challenge, trying to protect all the little ones and uh, you know, kind of align yourself with the government and parents and grandparents and workers and all that. But man, God is so gracious, so good. I'm just glad to be saved, man. No, I get to go to heaven when I die. And I praise the Lord. I, I brought, I had my book republished, Why I Can't Quit and Why You Shouldn't Either. And I brought some of their copies back here on the table in the foyer. They're $15. And if you'd like to get a copy, love for you to get it, pass it on to a friend. Uh, I've been getting so many great positive feedbacks about how it's encouraging in fact a young man that's lost uh, his mom just wrote me or texted me and told me that he was on page 50 and that uh, it was really impacting his life and and he needed it and I that's why I wrote it it's short to the point and it's a book of encouragement tell you how, tell you how to get saved but tell you how to you know stay close to the Lord how to walk with God and that's what I I hope that we'll all do because uh, unfortunately the, I'd say about 90% of the men that I went to Bible college with, they're not in the ministry no more. They, they've quit, and they didn't just quit. In fact, it says this in John 6, 6, 6. John chapter 6, verse 66 says, And from that time, many went back and walked no more with him. Some of the saddest words in the whole Bible. When he increased the demands of Christianity, they went back and walked no more with him. They were there when he was feeding the 5,000. But I, I, as demands increased, the fold got smaller and smaller. Well, I want to share you today from Matthew 14, a message entitled, I Don't Understand. And trust me, I've been through some experiences, as you have as well, uh, of, of some troubling thoughts, ideas, and experiences that we just shake us to the core and say, man, I don't understand. I mean, this just makes no sense to me. Here in this chapter, chapter 14, let's begin at verse number 3. 
out of Matthew 14, verse 3. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he, ple- he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. Uh, he, this must have been a drunken party because here it says in one uh, gospel that he promised up to half his kingdom to her. And she being before instructed of her mother said, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless for his oath's sake, and them that sat with him, the peer pressure, at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in the charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Mm. Father, I want to ask you to bless us today in our time together. Thank you for our time of worship. And Lord, now we ask you to speak to us through your word. I thank you for the blessing of the Holy Spirit of God that can communicate, open our blind eyes, and help us to understand your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, when I'm traveling evangelism uh, these last 12 years, uh, I guess the last, uh, well, the last couple years, I haven't because I, I never missed a chemo with my wife. And obviously, you know, she had these what they call red devil treatments, the first four treatments. And they're just, uh, they'll bring you to the point of death. They're just that uh, intense. And everything, you have to make some, you know, dr- dramatic changes and adjustments because of the way your life is impacted by, you know, taking chemo. And prior to that, though, uh, as I'd get on the road, I, you know, I, I preach a lot in Mississippi and down in Alabama and Florida. And usually when, I, when I'm away, if, if when I get wrapped up on Wednesday night, say around you know, 9 o'clock, I'm finally in my car and I'm on the road, I want to head to the house because I know that my girls, Terry and Avery, they were getting ready to go to work and go to school. And Avery, who is now you know, 18 and already graduated from high school and she's in college and uh, but I, I just wanted to be there, if I could, to see those girls first thing in the morning. And I'd, you know, drive all night and uh, get home about 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, when I would drive like that, I'd usually, I'd, I'd run to the hotel room, take a quick shower, rinse off, and then get in the car and blast off. I'd have everything already packed and ready to go so I could get home. And I will generally run through a drive through service to get some food on the road. And one night I was away and I wanted to get home in a hurry and I drive or did drive a Chevrolet Equinox at the time and, it, and for some reason they put the window buttons down here in the console. Messed me all up. I'm used to them being over here and when they designed this they had to be on drugs or they were drunk that day and they decided to mess everybody up. Well, they put those buttons down there. And so I go through the drive-thru and uh, get me my hamburger and my Coke and my fries and so I get out on the road and got my bag here and I reached out. I wanted to put my drink down when I was giving it to me and I, I couldn't because there were two empty containers about half full of old molded Coke already in the, in the cup holder. And I'm looking at that thinking, now there's no way I can drive and drink and, 
and eat my hamburger at the same time. So I decided I was just going to throw one of those Cokes out. And I went over here and I, I pushed the button, let the wind down. I took that half rotten, half filled cup and I wanted to slant as far as I could out the window because I didn't want to spray the side of my car. And so I took that cup and I swung it. And when I did, I'm telling you, Coke slapped me upside the face. Man, it went all over my clothes hanging in the back. It went up on the seal of my car all over the windshield. There was Coke everywhere, man. I'm talking about, I, and the problem was this. I did let the window down. But the problem was I let the back window down and not the front window, man. I think that's what the Holy Spirit was doing. Yeah, throw another cup out, won't you? <laughs> Laughing at me. Well, some of you, you know, you got a smile on your face, but deep down inside you're saying, Brother Dennis, I just flat don't understand. I mean, I, I really don't know why I've gone through what I've gone through. Don't know why I'm going through. You know, COVID-19 has taken a, a horrific, you know, just absolute gut-wrenching, driving, bad place for so many people. You know, the loss of lives and uh, so many people have lost their businesses. I mean, something they started as a foundation and now they've had to abandon it and walk off from it. And, and there are more and more businesses closing because they just cannot sustain at the capacity that we've been asked for people to, to the standards to live by. And it's extremely overwhelming. And then there'll be other events in life like this of John the Baptist who got his head cut off. He was decapitated. Now, and I say, I look at an event like this in our history, and I say, dear God, I don't understand. Here, here's John the Baptist. He was a great man of God. That's how he was assessed by Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, that he was a great man. And yet this great man of God had a great crisis of faith. Because when he's in prison, I want you, he, he, it says, back up to chapter 11. Look at what it says here in verse number 2. This is Matthew 11, verse 2. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? You see his crisis of faith? I mean, here's the one that said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the one that baptized Jesus. And yet now this great man, in fact, Jesus says this regarding him. Look at verse 11 of Matthew 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So even in his crisis of faith, the Lord says, here is a great man. There has not been a greater. Now, I'm encouraged by his statement because he didn't say he was the greatest. He just said he's a great man. He, he said, this, there, there's... There's no one that's been any greater than he. He's a great man, but that still means you and I can still reach his same level of greatness. I mean, when the assessment is that of the Lord and not what other people think of you. I'll tell you what most people thought about this man. Well, the world would have said, John the Baptist, you, you got to be kidding me, man. He, 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 he's a jailbird. I mean, he's an inmate. I, there's no way he'd be my pastor. And the church would have said, John the Baptist, you got to be kidding me. Man, he's a man that had a great crisis of faith. He even wondered if Jesus was the Messiah. He sent two of his disciples to find out, is this really Jesus? Is he really the Messiah? Is he really the one that's come to deliver us? And people may question you, and 
when you're in a moment of, of a crisis of faith, just remember this, you're, you're not alone. Even John the Baptist had a crisis of faith. Even John struggled with his faith. And he was a, a great man in the eyes of God. So great believers, I mean believers, and, and that's what believers do, don't they? Don't believers believe? Don't believers believe the Word of God? And I mean, they take the Word of God and they listen to what it has to say and it dictates their behavior and their life and everything about them? You know, if, if this is you, man, I want God to help you today to be able to move on. Even when you don't understand what you're going through and why you're going through it, may God help you to have your eyes enlightened and your mind awakened to realize that God Almighty is still on the throne of glory, that he still rules and reigns. You know, the Bible says this regarding uh, Romans, the Lord in Romans eleven thirty three. it says, Oh, the depth, the extent of the riches, the wealth, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his ways past finding out. God is up to something that we cannot perceive with our limited ability. I mean, he, he's always working in the light of eternity. Now, for me to say I understand so I can convey to you how to understand, well, that'd be a misunderstanding. Because nobody can understand the according word of God. And I got to go by what the Bible says, not what I think, what not people want to know. You know, I think about somebody like Job. He's got seven boys. He's got three girls. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of, of oxen, 500 donkeys. And it says, and a very great multitude. He, he manages huge ranch. And he's extremely abundantly blessed of God that suddenly and forcefully he is decimated with the, the loss of everything he possessed but his wife. And yet, in that moment, under that enormous stress and loss and pressure and lack of understanding, he says this in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He says, I, I may not understand what I'm going through, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. Man, God help us to get to that place in our life so that no matter what our experience may be, we can say, I am trusting in the Lord. I would hate to go through the loss of a loved one, the loss of a, of a lifetime dream in business, to go through cancer, to go through many other aspects of life and not know the Lord. I don't see how people are able to press forward to move on. Thank God in heaven, I serve a God that's on the throne of glory, that he rules and he reigns. Woo, glory to God, I'm glad I'm saved. I just want you to know, I'm glad I'm saved and I'm, I'm a child of almighty God. Now, there are basically two responses to what God's doing in the light of eternity. Unbelieving rejection or trusting faith. Faith, belief. So what can we hold on to? What can we hang our hat on to? What are some certainties in the midst of our uncertainties, our unwanted changes in life? So let me give you some. Number one, he is wise. You know, he knows what he's doing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you think he's... But in heaven biting his fingernails saying, well, man, I just didn't know that we was going to have COVID-19. No, sir. I didn't know that, brother, this is going to have, you know, cancer in his eyelid. 
And I'm going to tell you, I didn't, I didn't do real well with cancer in my eye. I just want you to know, when they sewed my eye shut, and I could, see, that wasn't supposed to happen. When I woke up, I couldn't see. Well, let me just tell you something. When you can't see, it's made me have a whole new appreciation. Now, I can't, I don't have a, a tear duct anymore, and I'm, my eye's constantly watering. So if you see me, I'm not crying. I'm just, <laughs> I just got water running down my face, man. I'm constantly having to wipe it away. But when they sewed my, when I woke up and I finally got home, it was in Knoxville, and my wife drove me home, and when I got to the house, and, you know, they had me on all these drugs. I was on uh, Percocet and some other stuff, and I was just messed up. I just want to tell you. And, son, I had a panic attack. I want you all to know, I, I mean, I had a panic attack, and I mean to tell you right now, it was not a pleasant experience. You ever, it, but now that experience has been good for me because I, I had to be put in the hospital. Uh, I, I just didn't handle being blind too well. It just didn't set well with me. But I thank God for a God that was with me in that journey. I couldn't imagine going through something of that nature by myself and not knowing because the enemy's out here to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to destroy your life. And thank God when you get saved, you get the seal of the Holy Ghost of God that identifies you that you are a born-again believer. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad I'm a child of God. You know, it says he heard the works of Christ in Matthew 11 and in verse number 2. It's not the works of, of John the Baptist or the works of Dennis Dees. No, it's the works of Christ. I praise God. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse number 5, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor the, how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. It says in Job 33 and verse 13, Why dost thou strive against him? For he giveth not account of any of his matters. You know what we're bad about doing? Jesus taught us in the model prayer, the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And yet we are, we are so quick to judge God, to blame God, to accuse God when God doesn't do things the way we think God ought to do them. It'll be a great day in our lives when we realize we are not God and we can't fix all the problems. I'm glad that God knows everything out in front of me. In fact, that leads me to my next point that he's not only wise, but he is omniscient. That means that he knows he has complete, unlimited knowledge, awareness, and understanding. He perceives all things. You know, my granny uh, adopted me and raised me, and I never had a dad. And uh, my mom was only 17 when I was uh, born. And so back, you know, 62 years ago, that was uh, just, you know, not something good in the neighborhood. And so my granny took me in, and granny raised me. In fact, I led my grandmother to Christ when she was 95 years old. And she passed away when she was 99. And, and, when, and you know, when Granny died, I, I was just, you know, my world was rocked because I love my grandmother, man, I tell you. And when she got saved, it just changed everything. I mean, and, and trust me, my granny needed to be saved. And she got saved. And I went down, my son and I, my son, my youngest son, he's a pastor in Atlanta. And uh, he and I preached her funeral. And after the funeral, I come back uh, and I just... I couldn't function. I don't know what happened to me, but I just, I lost my sense of drive and passion. I, I, I just, I felt like I needed to come apart as Jesus came apart right here for just momentarily. Although the crowds kept pressing him. I mean, he was in demand. 
And I felt the same way. I, you know, I just built a $2 million auditorium. And, man, you know, we were averaging about 500 people. And I had a large staff. I had a daycare with 120 kids in it. And I had a huge staff there. And I was trying to manage all that. But when Granny died, man, it just, it just, I just could not take another step for a while. I had to kind of reboot. So I went to Florida. went back to my, I grew up in a little 900-square-foot four-room house, me and my grandmother. And I'd already remodeled the bathroom for her while she was alive. One of the best things I ever did in my life. I mean, that might sound stupid, y'all, but man, knowing I was, as much as she'd done for me, ministering to her, it meant everything to me to go down there and, and, and she never had a shower. You know, she didn't even have a closet in her bathroom. And I went there and put a new closet in and tore out everything. I mean, ripped it all out, put a new, turned the bathtub a different way so it'd be easier. All that stuff. So... Now I was going to go back and finish the project. A friend of mine taught me how to do sheetrock, so I got in there and by myself, you know, and I stayed, the church gave me a six-week sabbatical, and I just got down there, but I remember I was mad as fire at God. I said, you know, I don't understand you. Why? She would have been 100 in just less than two months, and I had a big 100th birthday celebration. Son, we was going to go to Cracker Barrel. Woo! It was going to be on. I'm going to tell you right now, buddy, she's going to be a happy woman. And so I was all prepared, and we was going to have this big party for her, and the Lord decided to call her home. And so um, I said, why, why, why would you do that? I mean, you know, I've, I've left her. I've left Florida. I, I went to Tennessee to try to serve you. I went to Bible college. You know, I, I've done all these things for you, Lord. Why? Now, you may say, well, but preacher, she's 99. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care if she lived to be 150. Man, when you love somebody, age has nothing to do with it, man. You know, you need to be grateful for the time you have had with them. And so, uh, as clear as God's ever spoke to me, he said, oh, I could let her live to be 100. But what if somebody broke into her house and brutally murdered her? I said, yeah, you got a good point there. He's omniscient. He knows everything out here. And maybe he allows things in the present because of what could transpire in the future. You may think it's bad at the present moment, but it could be a whole lot worse in the future. You know, my, my pastor, Hal Fletcher Jr., was just such a, he was a, a, a genius man of God. And I love that man so dearly. And, you know, they had just built a, down in um, Orange Park, Florida, they had just built a $7 million auditorium. They'd been in it two weeks, and he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer I drove to Florida 37 times 37 weekends and preached and it's, it's, their, their building payment was $37,000 a month and they've only been in it two weeks and he's diagnosed with cancer you can imagine I mean the, 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 the stress of the whole event and the moment and everything that transpired and I, and I say God I don't understand you know, why did you call him home? I believed that God was going to heal him. I stayed with those people for six months while he was alive, and I stayed six months after he passed away helping them in transition. And I, I just thought, God in heaven, Lord, you know, why? But I do know this about my pastor. He would have rather been called home when he was called home than to have lived longer and had a moral failure or for something else to have gone drastically wrong in his life. 
You know, God is omniscient, folks. He knows everything. I don't know why I was allowed to have cancer. I don't know why my wife was allowed to have cancer. But I know that we have to trust God and he's orchestrating events in the light of eternity. Everything that we do, he says, I will work everything together for the good to them who love me and are the called according to my purpose. You know, are we, are we committed to doing the will of God and to following the purpose of God? Jesus was broken over the death of John the Baptist. I mean, here he goes out and he, he isolates himself momentarily because he, he, he was broken over the loss of his friend. And so I, I don't know. There's things I don't, I don't know why John the Baptist was decapitated. But all I know is this, I may not understand that, but there's some things I do understand, that Almighty God is wise and Almighty God is omniscient. Thank God in heaven I serve that kind of God. Number three, He is sovereign. He, he is sovereign God. And you know, when these disciples get here in Matthew 11, and He says, uh, here, here's what I want you to I want you to notice a word here. It says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. That leads me to another thought before I move on to his sovereignty. He also understands when you lose faith. He understands when you have a crisis of faith. Because he didn't chide this man or berate him, criticize him or scold him or rebuke him. Look, he says, go show John again. Go, you know, comfort him. Go uh, affirm him. Go and help his faith. Go show John again. Hallelujah. Again and again and again, my Lord always shows me. Man, he, he, he knows how to take care of your needs. I mean, he may not work on our timetable, but I'm telling you right now that God knows how to minister grace in your life. He knows how to meet needs like you can't even imagine. Thank God I serve a God like that. Listen, man, when you're in evangelism, you have to. You know, those cars of mine, both of my cars have over 300,000 miles. And so that's 600,000 miles, 300,000 miles. That's probably, you know, evangelism miles. And... Uh, I, I'm just kind of God. I'm not. I'm not much of one for debt, and I just kept praying, saying, "God, I I, I need a new automobile." And thank God, you know, I, I just refused to go in debt. I said, "I don't want to be like Abraham and and make a mistake, do things, get ahead of God, and do things the wrong way." And we're bad about that, guys. Getting ahead of God and you know and making our own decisions and and not waiting patiently on the Lord. But I prayed nearly every day for a year for God to help me, and people kept saying, "Brother Dennis." Nobody's just going to give you a car. You're just going to have to go out and buy one and get in debt because you've got to have a car. I said, no, I don't. I said, Almighty God can do what Almighty God wants to do. If he wants to give me a new car, he can give me a new car. Three weeks ago, I got a phone call from somebody in Jacksonville I've never met in my entire life. I said, Brother Dennis, I want to buy you a new car. <laughs> they did it. $41,000 wrote a check to the Ford Motor Company and bought me a brand new Ford Explorer. I don't even know this person. I have never met them in my life. But that's the kind of God that I serve, a God that when you will rely upon him and you cast your care upon God in due process, God will work it out. And I'd rather have what God wants me to have than to have what I want. Amen. To feel the greed of my flesh. Man, I don't want to do that. I have been in there too many times I've made dumb decisions because I didn't wait on the Lord. Man, I've bought automobiles and said, dear God in heaven, why did I buy that car? That was the dumbest decision I ever made in my life, man. What was wrong with me? Why couldn't I wait on the Lord? Let the Lord make a way. 
See, God understands when we have crisis of faith, and He understands sometimes our lack of patience. And you, but you got to wait on the Lord. Don't just, you know, people, man, what school are you going? I'm just going to go to this school. They don't pray about it. They go out here, they'll buy a house, they'll buy a car, they'll buy items, and they don't never talk to the Holy Spirit about it. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to get? What, what do you want me to purchase? Now, he's, listen, there's not anything wrong with things. What's wrong is when things have you. It's not money that's wrong. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And I don't believe for one second that Almighty God's going to give us a mansion in heaven and, and His asphalt is gold. He's going to bless us with all that, but He wants you to live like a pauper down here. I don't believe that for one second. He says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give gifts unto His children? He gave His best. He gave Jesus. There's no better gift that a man or a woman could ever receive in their lifetime than Jesus. And so God wants to bless us. You know, he, he's, he's all about us. And you got to go before the Lord. Now, it's, you know, it's a little easier for me because I've never had a daddy. I've never been on the phone and said, hey, daddy, man, I'm going to tell you what, my car is shot. And I, I need an automobile. You know, what have I done? Well, I had to put a transmission in the, in the Equinox that I had. I mean, after 300,000 miles, I thought that was pretty good. I've yet, not yet ever touched the motor. And, and you, you work on and, and, and you wait on the Lord. And when the Lord speaks to you about the right time, and I'm not saying that it's all wrong to go in debt for an automobile. Sometimes, you know, that might be the right decision if that's what God leads you to do. It's not wrong to go in debt for a home. I mean, sometimes, you know, going in debt's not bad. Having a credit card's not bad. You can use it for good. You, you can make it positive come out of it. I mean, you can use, if you use a credit card and you pay it off every month, man, you're using their money. Interest-free. That's a, that's a hallelujah thing you get thinking about it. If everybody paid their credit card off every month, every credit card company in the country would fail. They would fall. They couldn't do it. It's the people that don't pay it off. I don't know what brought all that up, but it's there. So you... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I get to preaching, I'm like, way over here. I'm like, Lord, summer's back over here. He's not, shut up, boy, keep following me. <laughs> I know what they have need of. He's sovereign. He's, now, look what he says to these guys here in Matthew 11. He says, go show John again those things which you do hear and see. Look at this now. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. Now, He's going to need this one, boys. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And they go back and they make their report. He said, tell you that the dead are raised up. And I can imagine when that executioner in Matthew 14 came in there and pulled that sword back and put that man's head on the chopping block, I suppose John would probably say, and the dead are raised, and the dead are raised, and the dead are raised. And they decapitated that man of God. They cut his head off. They put it on a charger. They brought it to the damsel. She gave it to her mother. And yes, they may have had the head of John the Baptist on a charger, but hallelujah, Jesus still had his heart. I wonder when they cut our heads off. And I'm going to tell you, in America, it's coming to that place where people like me are going to be put in prison because we preach against homosexuality or some other sin, and they're going to say it's hate speech. 
No, sir. It's Bible speech, man. It's preaching the Word of God. Fornication, adultery, it's wrong. And it will always be wrong. God has not got soft, flexible, and liberal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. He's sovereign God. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it wherever so he will. Boy, he's in control. And, and it, it, however the election turns out, let me, it doesn't make any difference because Almighty God's on the throne of glory. I think these have been the best four years we've had in my 62 years of life. And it's definitely been that way for pro-life. Thank God for the pro-life things that have decisions that have been made. For the, listen, my mama could have boarded me because she, I didn't have a daddy. She could have got rid of me as a nuisance, but thank God she didn't. And I thank God he's a forgiving God. He will forgive you. But folks, abortion is wrong. Praise God, God didn't let my mama abort me. And by the way, I don't know what the circumstance your birth may have been, but I want you to understand this. You're no accident in the eyes of Almighty God. Man, the Bible says before the foundation of the world, God already had a plan for your life. He already devised a purpose for your existence. So he's not surprised by how you got here. He is our creator, and we worship and serve our creator. Let me hasten on and finish up here. Let me give you this last point. He's right. <laughs> he's right. He's never been wrong. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a certainty for the hour that Almighty God is free from error. He's correct in opinion and in judgment. Thank God for a, a, a God that we serve that is like that. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth without iniquity. Just and right is He, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and in verse 4. You remember... It says, listen, this, this, this story come to your mind. Matthew 16, 21 through 33. From that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must, be, must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Then it goes a step further. This is, this is 16, 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned. Now here's a man with good, great intentions, saying, No, sir, you will not be killed. You will not be betrayed. He said, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. The, the greatest, highest, loftiest idea and thought could ever be is that of the will of Almighty God for your life. There is not a greater dimension of, of existence. There's not a greater pursuit of life than that of following the will of God, of yielding ourselves, living crucified every day, crucifying the flesh, living unto the glory of Almighty God. Folks, what's God's will for your life? I don't know why you've gone through what you've gone through and what you're going through, but all I know is this. These are certainties about Almighty God that will never change. I may not understand his plan. I may not understand his methods. His ways are higher than my ways. But thank God for a God that we serve 
He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, to the intent that now to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of Almighty God. Woo! Glory to God, man. We're proving something to the, to the demon spirits of hell, to Lucifer, that Almighty God is a wise God that he knows exactly what he's doing. It doesn't matter what the accuser of the brethren says. Hallelujah, man. We serve a God that's on the throne of glory, that rules and reigns, and praise the Lord. I am so glad that he is in control when everything else seems like it's out of control. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Lord, events like this shake us to the core when we see someone pass away in such a violent fashion. Lord, all around us, people are losing their, their jobs and their businesses and, Lord, their livelihood and people are struggling and there's violence on the streets and, Lord, we're raising up career criminals and, there seems to be such a lack of law and order. And dear God, I, I pray, Lord, for our law enforcement. God, you'll protect them, put a hedge around them, Lord. Lord, you, you know their hearts to me and them. They just want to do what's right, God, and keep law and order. And I ask you to watch over them. God, put a hedge around their cars. Put a hedge around their bodies. Dear God, I pray you'll empower them, Lord, and minister your grace in their life, Father. Give them wisdom. Help them. God, help them in their struggles. And Father, we ask you today, if there's somebody in this building lost God in heaven, they'll see, hey, there's no way I can do this apart from Jesus. I, I, I got to get saved. I'm, I'm lost and I need to be saved. Lord in heaven, I just pray right now that you'll save their soul, that you'll speak to them right in this moment. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. And right where you're standing this moment, if you'd like to pray and ask Jesus to save you, won't you pray to him as I pray this out loud? This is the expression of your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. And from this moment on, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. You know, my, my son is a, is a police officer and uh, my oldest son. And it wasn't long ago over here in Elizabethan, that he got on top of a criminal, and a criminal shot four times this close to my son's head. About blew out his eardrums with a pistol. My son didn't know he had it. He's on top of him, pulled out his waistband, and shot, bam, 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 bam. And my son managed to crawl behind a car, about like from here to maybe right there where that rail's at. And uh, there was another officer with my son, a rookie officer. And the guy thought he had killed my son, shot him and killed him. And that's why he'd crawled off. And he turned to shoot the rookie officer. And my son had to shoot him and kill him. And I can tell every one of y'all standing right here right now, it, it has been a traumatic experience for my boy, knowing that he had to take someone's life. And it was completely, you know, this guy, it was so unnecessary. He just got out of jail, been in jail 40 days over here in Bristol. And it was just completely unnecessary. He, he wasn't even the reason that the, the rookie officer had, had stopped. It was because two other people locked themselves out of the car. And that guy just had to be standing there. And when he asked for, he didn't know they were separate. He didn't know that they were not together. 
He just asked them for their ID because he just make sure they wouldn't steal in the car. They were trying to get one of them Jimmys, you know, in their, in their own car. But he didn't know it was their car. He just, you know, he had to find out who they were. And then he asked that guy's ID, and that's when he bolted. And, and, and all he had to do, if he had shown his ID, nothing would ever happen about it. And I, I just want to tell y'all, you know, we need to really pray for our law enforcement. Today. They're under enormous stress and pressure like they've never been. And, and, and I fear what may transpire in the future. Many of them are, are leaving because they, they're just trying to serve the public. And there, there's crazies in everything. There, there's, you know, I've always said when I go crazy, I hope it's in Washington, D.C. That way nobody will notice. They won't even know it. I didn't know he was crazy. He just like the rest of us up here. But we need to pray about our election. And we need, we need to be praying about this country. Folks, people are suffering enormous loss. And let me ask y'all something. Who do y'all think the help is for this country? It's the church, man. We're the people that have the solution. We have the answer. It's Jesus. If Jesus can deliver me from alcohol and drugs, he can deliver anybody. I mean anybody. If Jesus can help me to be married for 43 years, he can deliver anybody. He can help anybody. You ought to try to live with me for 43 years. I'm going to tell you right now, son, I, I just want you to know it's a challenge, man. My wife deserves a salute and a badge. I just want you to know that. But I'm sure glad I got to see y'all today. I'll be back tonight. I think I'm going to preach tonight on the spirit-empowered life. And so you don't want to miss that. It, it'll be a blessing to you. Let's sing the stanza, and we'll, we're going to be here to greet you and if we can help you in some way, maybe if you just got saved today, you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And the guys here, they'll talk to you about that and help you in that, in that transition to, you know, to, to follow the Lord in believer's baptism and do what you need to do. So you come on as God leads. Maybe you've been attending the church for a long time and you haven't joined. Well, we want to invite you to join today. You know, just go ahead and make that decision. You want to join the local church and, and do as God leads you to do. So you come on.